Okay, the, the first Bible reading this morning comes from Genesis chapter 28, and it's on page 29 of the Bibles in your pews. So Genesis chapter 28 on page 29, so this Bible, and we're going to start at verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and the south, and all people will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you whatever, wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. When Jacob woke up from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid, and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. The second Bible reading is taken from John's Gospel, so John chapter 1, and that's on page 1063, 1063. John chapter 1, starting at verse 35, page 1063. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and said, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who'd followed Jesus. This first thing Andrew did was to find out his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, and you will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus, Nazareth, the, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. 
When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see even greater things than that, Jesus said. And then he added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the, on, on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Morning. Uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, my name's Gordon. A uh, special welcome to you if you're new or visiting, or friends and family of the Holman family, of Tom and Vicky. It's so good that you could be with us uh, today. Uh, well, last Wednesday, as many of you know, we had our Lunar New Year dinner. Uh, and in God's kindness, we had over 50 people come, including 23 guests, uh, friends, uh, family members, uh, neighbors from the community. And it was a great night. And the night was uh, not just to enjoy good food and good company, but also, more importantly, to open up a conversation about life and Jesus. And there was one moment uh, during the night at the table there where I was on, uh, we were discussing uh, what we all had heard about Jesus, you know, who he was, who we thought he was. And so I remember there was uh, someone sitting next to me who said, oh, Jesus, he's this incredible historical figure you know, who started really an international religion. From one man came about this huge following and religion, global re religion. And someone else said, oh, uh, Jesus, um, I remember, his, his, Jesus is a really wise teacher, uh, a great moral uh, teacher. Uh, he promoted love and peace, a great role model for people. And then the table went a bit quiet, a bit of an awkward moment, I'm not sure why. And the young man who was sitting next to me, he turned to me and he basically sort of said this. He said, but obviously, you Christians, you believe that Jesus is much more than those things, much bigger than those things, right? You guys believe that Jesus is not just a great man. You guys believe he's God, the Son of God. What do you make of that? Well, on one hand, I'm really glad that he understood that about Jesus but, and what we believe about Jesus, but I think it also shows that Jesus can be quite a confusing and divisive figure for many people. There are lots of different views and opinions about who Jesus is, and that can be quite tricky to process. You know, if you're, if you're not a believer but really interested in exploring Christianity, well, firstly, it's so great that you can be with us. You know, this is the, the right place for you to be. But how do you figure this out? How do you work out who Jesus really is? You know, how do you know which opinion to trust? And even if you are a believer, what do you do with all these different views about Jesus that your friends, your colleagues, your family all have? 
you know, opinions about Jesus that might make him slightly less, slightly, slightly smaller than what you're comfortable with. And you might not, you won't agree with them in your head, but could they slowly eat away at your heart and your life? Could Jesus slowly and slowly occupy a smaller and smaller part of your life? Well, uh, we're starting a new series at church. Well, we're restarting a new series at church looking at the Gospel of John, one of the four biographical accounts of Jesus in the Bible, uh, written by obvious, uh, one of Jesus' closest friends. He's called John, uh, obviously. Um, and we've called this series, This is God. And hopefully there's a bit of a uh, graphic on that. This is God. And my hope and prayer is that as we look at what John has written about Jesus, you know, if, if you're someone who particularly is exploring Christianity, my hope and prayer is that this will help you come and see and discover for yourself who Jesus really is. And for those of us who do believe and follow Jesus, my prayer and hope is that we'll be reminded of those very first moments in our own stories when we first saw just how amazing Jesus really is. Hope and pray we'll, re- we'll revisit We'll revisit that first love that we had for Jesus. But this question that we've been thinking about, you know, who is Jesus really? It's it's actually the same question that the very first disciples of Jesus had. The same disciples and apostles that later would become the great founders, if you will, of the Christian church. These disciples that Jill read for us in our passage, that we read in our passage. You know, how did how did they decide who Jesus really was? How did they figure out who Jesus was? Well, to answer that question, we have to ask, how did these first disciples, how did these first followers of Jesus come to follow Jesus? Uh, so let's look at our passage, and if you could keep your Bibles open, uh, we'll look at the first of the two stories uh, in this passage where Jesus meets Andrew and his brother Simon Peter. So that's from verses 35 to 42. And I, I find this story really normal, but also really fascinating. You know, Andrew, he's one of two uh, who meet Jesus and spends time with him. And after spending time with him, he's wowed by Jesus. He's captivated. Because in verse 41, the very first thing he does is to go find his brother Simon Peter, Simon, and bring him to meet Jesus too. Uh, I remember very distinctly um, the day I walked into the family living room, and there was my brother, sat on the floor, his eyes glued to the TV. And so I came in to see what was on TV, what he was watching, and there on the TV screens was football, soccer, the world game. Um, I later discovered that this was SBS, and uh, they had a regular Saturday afternoon show called The World Game Show, where they showed all the highlights from Europe, uh, all the football across Europe. And my brother, he was hooked. He'd sit there watching all the goals, all the moves, all the skills that the players did, all the celebrations that the players were doing in front of packed stadiums full of cheering fans. And then he kept me to watch too. And then after a while, mum would come in and kick us off the TV. There's too much screen time. And so my brother would grab me, uh, we'd grab a ball, and we'd go into the backyard wearing the same color of clothes of the teams that we just watched, and we'd try and replicate all the, you know, the moves, the goals, the celebrations that we'd just seen on TV. And that was the day, that was how my brother got me pretty much addicted to football, soccer. And I'm certain that 
it's a pretty common experience, you know, a brother or sister getting you into, it doesn't have to be football, it could be a favorite TV show, or a particular music band, or a particular type of food, or a comedian even. And that's sort of the story, isn't it? It's basically what Andrew does here. He meets Jesus, and he's hooked, he's, he's, he's wowed by him. And so naturally, he goes and grabs his brother so that he could see him too. But this isn't football. This isn't a new hobby he's getting his brother into. Did you notice what Andrew says here? We have found the Messiah, the Christ, the promised king, the chosen one. That's what Messiah means. And in fact, Andrew's curiosity about Jesus, it begins all the way back at the start of our passage. You know, he'd been hanging around John the Baptist. Uh, This is a different John, by the way, to the one who's writing the gospel. Uh, This is John, the cousin of Jesus, the last of the great prophets of God. And look at what John the Baptist says in verse 34. We might have to get up on the screen because it's the last verse in the passage just before our passage. But John the Baptist says this about Jesus. He says, I have seen and I have testified that this, this Jesus, is God's chosen one. The one God promised to send into the world to make it right. And then in verse 36 in our passage, when John saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God, this was a very famous Old Testament image where a lamb was slain, its blood was shed to symbolize that God was taking away the sins of the people. And John is saying, Jesus, this Jesus, he is the ultimate Lamb of God, the Lamb who will actually take away all the sins of the world. And just think about that. It's a huge call to make. It's a huge call for John to make. He's not saying, oh, you know, that man Jesus, he's really smart. He says a lot of wise things. He's got a lot of great ideas. You should check him out. No, he's saying, this Jesus is the one that God has chosen to send into the world to make it right. That's how big this call is. And so you're Andrew, you're standing there listening to him. What do you do? You have to find out. You have to go find out. You have to. You know, for John to make such a big claim about Jesus, you'd be silly not to. And so Andrew follows Jesus. And I love the little exchange he has with Jesus. You know, it's almost like Andrew and his friend, they're a bit shy. You know, they're following after Jesus, not sure how to engage him, not sure how to get his attention. But then Jesus turns around and engages them. He talks to them and he invites them to come hang out with him, to come spend time with him. Come and see, he says. And they spend a whole day with Jesus, verse 39. And just imagine that. You know, can you imagine that? Can you imagine what that day would have been like, you know, spending a whole day talking to Jesus, you know, listening to him, asking him the questions you have, eating with him, drinking coffee with him. And after that day, Andrew is convinced Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God's chosen one. And just like someone would grab their brother to come and watch, you know, look at this YouTube video I, I really like or this song. No, Andrew grabs his brother Simon Peter not to watch a YouTube video, but to meet the Messiah, so that he could come and see the Messiah too. And that's the story of how Jesus meets Peter. Peter, who would later become that great apostle. And it all happens through Peter's brother, Andrew. So the next story, uh, it's not 
about how Jesus meets two brothers, but actually two friends, uh, Philip and his rather skeptical friend, Nathaniel. And that's verses 43 to 51. So that's what we're looking at. And Philip, we're told in verse uh, 44 that he's from the same town as the two brothers uh, that we met, Andrew and Peter. But the actual account of Jesus meeting uh, Philip, it's really brief, isn't it? It's just that one verse, uh, verse 43. And so we have to sort of assume that more happened. You know, maybe Andrew, uh, like Andrew before, Philip got to spend a whole day with Jesus, uh, talking to him, and that's how he decided to come follow Jesus. But this story is really more about Nathaniel, uh, Philip's friend. Uh, verse 45, if you look with me. Uh, Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Uh, in other words, the one whom the whole uh, Jewish scriptures, the whole Old Testament talks about, this Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. But Nathaniel, he's quite the skeptic, isn't he? Just look at how he responds in verse 46. Nazareth? Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? And here we uh, get a glimpse of some good old uh, first century Palestinian banter. You see, Galilee, uh, the, pla the region that Jesus grew up, it was sort of known as a bit of a backwater place. Um, the rest of the country sort of looked down on it, um, had a funny accent, that kind of thing. But Nazareth, the town in Galilee in which Jesus grew up, it was like the Galilee of Galilees. The rest of Galilee looked down on Nazareth. Now, uh, I don't want to give any contemporary examples here in case I offend someone, but I've, I've heard someone else say uh, that Nazareth is a bit like uh, far north Queensland. Uh, now, I've never, you know, that's just what I've heard. I've never actually been to far north Queensland, so I don't know. And I'm sorry if that's, if you come from there, you know, Jesus was from Nazareth. But the point I'm trying to make is that this Nathaniel, this friend of Philip, he's quite the skeptic, isn't he? He's so skeptical about Jesus and the claims that people were making about him. And I really like that. You know, I love that about this story. You know, Jesus, he's on the lookout for people like this too. Jesus doesn't turn away people who have their doubts, who have their questions about him. He actually invites them. He invites them to come and see. He invites them to come and see. And that's, that's the invitation that Philip gives Nathaniel. Come and see, verse 46. But what happens next? I think catches Nathaniel by surprise. You see, Jesus already knew that Nathaniel was coming. He already saw uh, and knew that who he really was. He truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Jesus says in verse 47. In other words, he is a man who uh, is as straight as an arrow. That's the English equivalent, probably. He's a man who's honest, who's direct, who uh, says what he thinks, who isn't gullible. And that's exactly who Nathaniel is. And Jesus already knew that, even before they'd met. How do you know me? Nathaniel asks. He's amazed. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Jesus already knew that Nathaniel was coming even before Philip invited him. And this little bit of supernatural foresight that Jesus displays here, that's enough for skeptical Nathaniel. In verse 49, he says, Rabbi, teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And then Jesus basically says this, you know, if that's your reaction to what I just did, if that's what you're reacting to, Come with me. Spend time with me. 
And I promise, I promise you, you'll see much greater things than this. Verse 51, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, what Jesus is saying here, he's saying that you will see that I am the gateway to heaven. You know, Jesus is referring to that story about Jacob, that jewel read, that we read in uh, Genesis 28. Jacob, the forefather of Israel. Now, Jacob has this, has this dream about an enormous ladder that goes up all the way from earth to heaven with angels ascending and descending on it. That's the, the same language that Jesus used. And after Jacob's dream, Jacob says, you know, how awesome is this place? This is the gate of heaven. He's talking about the place where he had that dream. But Jesus is saying, no, the gate of heaven, the gateway to heaven, it's not a place on earth. It's not that place where you had that dream. It's me. I am the way up to heaven. I'm the way. I'm that great ladder that you can get to heaven to. And if you come with me, Nathaniel, if you come spend time with me, you'll see that. You'll see that. That's what Jesus says. I don't know if you've ever wondered how this great movement that we now call Christianity, you know, which spans, spanned every decade in history and almost every corner of the globe, you know, have you ever wondered how it came about, how that came about? You know, how did this universal Christian thing come about? How did it get from one Middle Eastern man uh, who lived 2,000 years ago uh, one man and his small band of 12 disciples. How did it get from that to over 2 billion people right now all around the world? How? It wasn't through great reformations or key political moments. And of course, uh, those things did happen and you only need to read uh, the history books to see the roles that they all played. But, but what the history books won't necessarily tell you, but what God does tell us, in this passage that we read today, is that the church of Jesus, this Jesus movement, whatever you want to call it, it grew as ordinary men and women, like me and you, like the disciples we read about today, came and spent time with Jesus, came and listened to him, came and read what he said and what he did, and saw for themselves who this man really was, and then went and told their friends, told their brothers, their sisters, their family, their neighbors to come and see too. Come and see. Come and check out this Jesus. Come and spend time with him and see for yourself. That's how it grew. People coming to spend time with Jesus and then going to tell their friends to do the same, to come, bringing their friends to faith. That's our priority at church, one of our priorities at church. And so I want to invite you, come spend time with Jesus. You know, if you're particularly unsure still, you know, still trying to figure out who Jesus is, I want to invite you, come spend time with Jesus. Come listen to him. You know, take one of the Bibles home and just go home and keep reading. Keep reading this Gospel of John. Come back next week. Come back as we go, as we look at the next passage uh, next Sunday. Come back to hear more. Come and see. Discover for yourself who Jesus really is. That's, that's the only way to find out. But I wonder if this invite is also for those of us who say that uh, we're already believers. You know, this passage it reminds me of the very first time I met Jesus, the first time I saw for myself who he really was. You know, the joy, the amazement, the excitement I felt at, you know, finally 
being able to see for ourselves who Jesus is, being able to start a relationship with him. And we all know, you know, the Christian life can get busy. Our schedules get full, family and kids' commitments, work or study, trying to keep up with old friends, even church activities, all good and necessary things. But we all know sometimes they just cloud out the time we actually get to spend with our God, the time we get to spend with Jesus in prayer and in his word. And slowly by slowly, we spend less and less time with the most important person in our life. We spend less and less time working on our relationship with our Messiah, with the one who took away our sins. And slowly by slowly, we lose the love we had at first. We lose our first love. And I don't know if that's you uh, right now, but I want to invite you. I want to invite you to come back. Come back, spend time with Jesus again. And, you know, we need to spend time with Jesus every day, you know, speaking to him, listening to him. That's what it means to be in relationship with him. Uh, Jill Chilton, uh, she was saying earlier this week that she has to do this in the morning, and I'm, I'm with her on this, you know. She has to have that time in the morning, every morning, to read the Bible, to pray, not as a chore, but as a joy, because it really sets her up for the rest of the day, that time she gets to spend with the Lord. And I don't know what works for you and your particular routine, you know, whether it's first thing in the morning or during breakfast or on the bus or, you know, just before you go to bed. But, you know, maybe it's something we could talk about over morning tea. But I think what this passage is reminding us, as you come to see who Jesus is, as you come spend time with him, when you're wowed and captivated by him, that's when you actually naturally just want to tell your friends. You know, you just naturally want to get your friends to come and see Jesus for themselves too. Uh, I've, you know, been the third week now, I've had the great joy of slowly meeting every one of you at St. Stephen's and hearing your stories. Um, in my very first week, actually, I got to meet um, Grace Reeson. She's, uh, she goes to the 5.30 service. And she shared her story about how she came to this church, St. Stephen's, and she's very happy for me to share it. And some of you probably already know her story as well. Um, but she'd grown up in a Roman, uh, she'd gone to a Roman Catholic school and had gone to Mass and, and done that. Uh, and for her, she was saying that it was just really dull and boring and irrelevant, and she never really got to engage with Jesus and, and who he was. And so she was saying, after that, that was sort of it. She never went into that anymore. But it wasn't until seven or eight years ago, um, during a particularly hard moment in life, her friend reached out to her, a, fr a friend who came here. Uh, she reached out to her and invited Grace to come to church, to come and meet Jesus. And that friend, uh, some of you probably might know already, was uh, Melissa Gock. Uh, Melissa invited Grace to come to church, to come and see and so Grace did. And she was saying, Grace was saying, she was, and you probably get a much better version for her, that as she sat here, as she sat right here at church, hearing what God was saying to her, uh, hearing what Jesus was speaking to her, speaking right into her life, she slowly and slowly each week came to know and see for herself who Jesus really was and what he had done for her. And that was when she started, she decided to start a relationship with Jesus and to trust in him. And it's such a great story. Um, but I'm sure that that's one of so many similar stories of people right here in this room. You know, people 
like yourself, coming to spend time with Jesus, being captivated and wowed by him, and then bringing their friends to come and see too. Come and see. Come and see. That's our invitation to others, to our friends, our neighbors. Or as Jesus himself actually promises here in verse 39, come and you will see. That's the promise Jesus makes. Come and you will see.